Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to City Church. I don't know if I'm that hot. Can you help me with what? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Did we disconnect something? Hello, 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 hello. There we go. Oh, help move stuff? Certainly. Welcome, everybody. How are we doing today? Microphone was away from my face. <laughs> We're going to make our way forward and get started in just a second. If you want to grab some more coffee, some more donuts, uh, some more to drink, things of that nature, grab some, head on forward. Good to see you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. All righty. All righty. We are going to be a little bit crowded until the kids head over to the other side, just so you know, because I went ahead and moved way too many chairs over. And by I, I mean all the people who did the actual work. Right? Because that was most of y'all as opposed to me last night. Good day, sir. How you doing? Hi. Oh, my goodness. These are amazing. Your boots are so cool. She's behind you. <laughs> All right. couple of announcements before we get started. If it is your first week with us here, welcome. We appreciate you being with us. Small note, if you try to come back next week, this is not the building we'll be in. And so, you should probably know, we are moving. This is our final week in our current facility. And guys, I have a ton of memories here. Just a ton of memories of me hurting myself, uh, doing work, uh, passing out because I'm exhausted, uh, catching things. I actually don't think I did that in this building, did I? It's a safe bet. There's a safe bet. I caught something on fire in here. Touche. Okay. Just so many wonderful memories, and I have loved every minute of it, save a couple of random I didn't love. Uh, but we're going to be moving to 3500 Cleveland Avenue Northwest. That is on Cleveland, right near the new Starbucks, okay? So the new Starbucks is on the other side of the street. If you know where Milk and Honey is, there's Milk and Honey, and then there's the Credit Union, and then there's 35th Street. And then there's our building. We'll be meeting there next week. Same service time, same service channel. Same bat time. Did anyone get that? Different bat channel. Thank you, the three of you. Yeah, different bat channel, actually. Oh, my goodness. We are changing. In case you wonder what this place looks like, just let me hit you with a little picture here. Woo! This is the sanctuary we'll be meeting in. It's very pretty. A little different feel than we're currently sitting in. But it's going to be quite enjoyable, guys. All right. Other announcements uh, we have coming up next after. So please note, I've been working through for about the past month without taking a break, and I have lost all track of time and reality. Okay? Not this Saturday, but the following Saturday, we'll be having our vision and planning meeting. Okay? Uh, leaders will be coming out at 9.30. Stewards and regulars are welcome to join us at noon. We'll be having some time of fellowship, a little bit of lunch together, and we'll be praying through what Christ wants us to be doing in this coming year. Okay? 
Also, we have prayer meetings every week at 10 o'clock before the service. Please feel free to join us at the new building for that as well. Anna, if you wouldn't mind coming up and announcing the ladies' uh, dinner, because for some reason, I have less information about that. I just don't do it very often. I have no microphone for you. Thank you. All right. And then we're going to do a time of worship now. Then we're going to invite the kids up uh, to do something for Pastor Appreciation Month. Thank you, by the way. But let's take a moment and pray. And then we're going to spend some time worshiping our Lord together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the work you have done, the work that you are doing, and the work that you are going to do in the future. Father, we praise you for the fact that you have shown yourself to us, regardless of where we're at. As we move throughout our lives, you have lived, you have demonstrated your love, you have shown us what it means to be followers of you, and Lord God, you have proclaimed your own glory and allowed us to see it as well. Thank you for that, Lord. I pray that as we worship you here one last time, you would allow us to see just how glorious and good and holy and righteous you are. May we remember what what you've done, and may we rejoice because of it. It's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Would you please stand and worship with us today? Come and stand before your maker, full of wonder, full of fear. Come behold his power and glory, yet with confidence draw near. For the one who holds the heavens and commands the stars above is the God who bends to bless us with an unrelenting love. Rejoice! Come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of all praise. Rejoice! Sing the mercies of your King and with trembling rejoice we are children of the promise the beloved of the lord one with everlasting kindness all with sacrificial blood bringing reconciliation to a world that longs to know the affections of a father who will never let them go. Rejoice! Come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of our praise. Rejoice! Sing the mercies of your King and with trembling rejoice. All our sickness, all our sorrows, Jesus carried up the hill. He has walked this path before us. He is walking with us still. Turning tragedy to triumph, turning agony to praise. 
There is blessing in the battle, so take heart and stand amazed. Rejoice when you cry to Him, He hears your voice. He will wipe away your tears. Rejoice in the midst of suffering, He will help you sing. Rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of all praise. Rejoice, sing the mercies of your King and with trembling rejoice. Rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of all praise. Rejoice, sing the mercies of your King and with trembling rejoice. Lord, we sing out to you this morning. We lift up your name in praise and honor. We recognize what a great God you are. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. You have been so faithful to us in this place, and we know you will continue to be faithful to us. And we continue to praise you, to honor you, to lift you up this morning and just sing out what a great and awesome God you are. We love you, Lord. We praise you. greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell it goes beyond the highest star and it reaches to the lowest hell the guilty pair bowed down with care God gave his only son to win his erring child he reconciled you and I pardon from our sin Oh love of God How rich and true It shall forevermore endure How measureless and strong The saints and angels song we sing Holy, holy shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall when men here refuse to pray and rocks and hills and mountains call God's love so sure will still endure all measureless and strong redeeming grace to Adam's race Shall be the saints and angels' song. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure! Shall forevermore endure. 
measureless and strong The saints and angels song we sing Holy, holy Could we with ink the ocean fill were the skies of parchment made Were every stalk on earth a quill And every man a scribe by trade To write the love of God above Would drain the ocean dry Nor could the scroll contain the whole Though stretched from sky to sky Oh, love of God, how rich and pure It shall forevermore endure How measureless and strong The saints and angels song we sing Holy, holy Oh, love of God, how rich and pure It shall forevermore endure How measureless and strong The saints and angels' song we sing Holy, holy together. Thank you for all that you are, for all that you do. Lord, may we honor you in all that we do this morning, and all that we do in the life of this church, and all that we do in our individual lives and together. Lord, may you be glorified. Lord, help us to keep you at the center of everything we do. Open our ears to hear what you have for us this morning, and may we honor you and glorify you and worship you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. so emotional. <laughs> that worship song, every time. I think of draining the ocean of ink, filling the sky, and I just, I can't get past it. <laughs> Takes me a minute to get myself back together. I apologize. Super emotional. I blame God. He made me this way. My heart is huge. It's just full of tears. <laughs> I would like to invite all of the children up. Every last one of you, come on up here. We have just a few things. We won't take a whole lot of time just want to say a word of thanks. Um, we're going to start with Abby. She's got some prepared words. Um, and then I will finish us up. So I'm going to pass this over. Good morning. Oh, this is fun. Um, so as you know, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. And um, I'd like to talk about uh, 
Zach and Chelsea, who are youth pastors, um, they every week or every other week on Thursday nights, they uh, come and we all gather together. And it's mostly a group of girls uh, with one guy and, and Zach. Yeah. Um, so he's kind of outnumbered. Um, and uh, they teach us different things and encourage us. And um, Zach, he, he works really, really hard. Um, he he's devoted to every time he teaches us, he teaches us in a way that we don't really, that we could never think of. Um, he teaches, gives a different perspective. Um, and uh, he could be doing so many different things with his time. He could be, he, he could be doing anything really, but he chooses every Thursday, or every Thursday to come teach us and guide us through our life. And also Chelsea, um, she always, uh, during church, she always kind of, talks to all of us, all the youth, and she, like, kind of invites us in when other people don't always do that, and, um, her, her new son, Isaac, she, she loves him, and, um, she lets us, like, like, hold him, and I really do appreciate that, because it's, like, we get a little glimpse of her life, and, like, I don't know, she loves him, so we love him, too, and, uh, uh, Jake, uh, her husband. Um, I love that he loves all different kinds of people. He, whoever you are, doesn't matter who you are, he'll love you. Um, even if he doesn't always agree with you, he'll love you. And um, trust me, at high school, you have to love different, a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of different people, so uh, I admire that. And I love his, um, his admiration for big words. He's a very wordy person, but I really do like that because <laughs> I, I like words too, so... And last but not, <laughs> and last but not least, we have Chris. Um, I don't know how to explain this, but he works so so hard. You have no idea. He doesn't get paid to do this. He works. He comes up here almost every Sunday. He has everything prepared. I know it takes him so long, and um, he doesn't get paid to do that. That's out of his own heart. Um, and he asks, like, even the younger people for their opinion on the church. And we have an opinion, you know, we have an opinion too, so he, he gives us a voice when we don't always have one. And um, so thank you to everyone. Thank you. Anna would like to recite her life verse to you. And uh, it's pretty precious. And I had her recite it for me, and I asked her, what book is it from? And she's like, it's from Jesus. And I'm like, yes, it is. In the Bible, where does it's from God? Yes, it is. I had I actually had to ask Christy what book it was from. I couldn't understand. Are you ready? So this comes from John 1, verse 16. Okay, from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, John 1:16. Nice job. We received <laughs> grace upon grace. Um, I love that. She recited it for me a couple weeks ago. It was actually a part of one of our lessons. Um, how ironic and yet not. And um, just love it. I love that I, when I asked, um, when we asked the kids to come up and say, there was no hesitation on Abby's part. She prepared statements. Um, to see how much these kids have grown over the last uh, few years is awesome. Um, to see how much you guys have poured into them is amazing. Um, I just want to say a personal uh, and brief thank you to uh, Pastor Jake and Pastor Chris. Um, 
Because I think in this church, I have grown more spiritually than in any of my other churches, with my other congregations. I've just been um, a part of something really big. And I can see it. I watch it grow. I get to see all of the different people that we're serving. I'm excited for the new space. Um, really didn't hit me, of course, until this morning. And all the, the craziness of moving and getting things packed and how are we going to and when, when we got to do this next week by next week. Um, it didn't hit me until like just a little bit ago <laughs> that we're leaving this space. And I'm just so thankful that God led Sivian and I here so many years ago. I tell some people, I don't know if you know this, some of you that are newer, um, I was literally drawn by the font that Ecclesia used. I liked it. It was really pretty. And so I'm like, let's try that. It's non-denominational. I like their font. There's something, something about this that I can really, yeah, I can get on board with that. And, um, and I watched it change. I watched, but I watched a church behave like a church, which was kind of cool. And I watched... Um, the change happened, which was never easy, and I saw people come and people go, and I saw people stepping up into some really great uh, leadership positions, and I saw myself a little reluctantly stepping into some positions. I wanted to stand back, just kind of see how this was. God was like, no, I need you here, okay, with the kids. So um, I was encouraged by uh, Pastor Chris and Pastor Jake to share my testimony, which I didn't want to do. <laughs> And Jake encouraged me to do that. And I'll tell you, that was one of the um, most monumental moments I think I will always hang on to, is that when I shared my testimony with you guys. And I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for Jake. So thank you, Jake. We do have um, a couple of things that we have created for both of you. Um, I have two volunteers that would like to give them to you. So if Pastor Chris and Pastor Jake would like to come up, we've got a special surprise for you. We made two trees, two beautiful trees, and the leaves of the trees are the fingerprints of the kids. And um, you just happen to have a new office space. You might want to, you know, consider hanging these beautiful things. <laughs> you have plenty of wall space. I'm thinking it might even be cleared off. Um, and we, <laughs> I'm just saying, I happen to have been there yesterday. I know for a fact. And I found the Velcro that you guys can use, so yay. Um, but uh, the verse that I quoted at the bottom was 1 Timothy uh, 5, verse 17, and it says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And your sacrifices do not go unnoticed. And so we want to present you with our um, creations. So this is for Pastor Chris, and this one's for Pastor Jake. So thank you, guys. always the kids that get me. Well, on that note, while y'all are over here, it's time for us to be praying for you, okay? 
So let's take a minute. We're going to pray, and we're going to release you guys to go and learn more about Jesus, okay? Father God, we thank you for the wonderful blessing and gift these kids are. Lord, thank you for the way that they encourage, the way they lift up, the way they teach. Thank you whenever they wake up too early in the morning. Uh, Lord, praise you for all the wonderful things they are. Lord, I pray that you would be with them as they learn today. May you teach them about you, draw them close to you, proclaim your word to them. And Lord God, allow them to come to know just how much you love them and how much you've done for them. Allow them to grow in wisdom and stature. Allow them to grow in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Bye, guys. Have a fun time. The times they are a changing, right? So Holly got emotional a little bit there, right? I apologize. It has not yet hit me that this will be the last Sunday I'm here. Uh, so if at any point in the middle of the sermon I just start breaking down and blubbering, just one of y'all come in and just take over, okay? Um, being here... In this space, Creed's ready. (laughs) So in 2006, I graduated from Malone College. Prior to that, I had decided that I was going to be a pastor against my own will, uh, because I super didn't want to at first. Um, When I was growing up, I went to school to be an engineer. And then Jesus said, no, made me go to school to be a pastor. Uh, And then I said, okay, fine, I'll go to school to be a pastor. I'll find a place to be like a nice little associate pastor, big church somewhere, work into it, you know, start in low, entry level, and start working my way up through some form of church structure, fine, whatever. And in 2006, he said, no, I want you to help plan a church. And it was ridiculous, because he's ridiculous sometimes. And so... It was 12 years ago. It's whenever I stepped into pastoring a small church called Ecclesia, right? Uh, which is not this church. I want to make everyone abundantly aware of that separate church. But, fun story, two years after it started, it had grown to the point that people could no longer fit in the living room of the house we were meeting in. And so we had to find a space to worship in. And we found this space. And we rented it. In 2008... Spent a good seven months renovating this from a piano studio into basically the space you see today. I say basically because over the years we've adjusted it more, shifted it to our needs and purposes, made it so that we could use it functionally. Uh, I've put literal blood, sweat, and tears into this place, probably more blood than either of the other two. And it's been a part of my life for a decade. Now, we know this to be a fact. The church is not the building, right? Right? You don't go to church. You gather as the church on Sundays, right? You are the church wherever you are. So as we shift from this space to another, we lose nothing about the church we are. Because the church we are is us. But that doesn't mean that we can't remember what we have done. 
It doesn't mean that places can't hold special significance in our lives. Places often do hold special significance in our lives, right? Who here remembers the place you got married? Pretty significant, right? Who remembers the place where you uh, were living when you had your first kid? If you've undergone extreme loss, those places also become significant, right? The places we are at can still hold significance to us. Though they're not the church, they still matter, right? But there are a couple things I want to tie into, and one is this. In Luke 2.52, we read this. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This is one of the most intriguing verses in the Bible for me completely. Because we hold it evident that Christ is God. That he, in his fullness, is perfectly human and also perfectly God. 100% human, 100% God. And in his absolute perfection, Jesus still underwent growth and change as a man. As a person and as groups of people, growth and change are natural progressions in our lives. And so things can't stay the same forever. It wouldn't be good and godly for things to stay the same forever, right? Sometimes we have to realize that change, while hard, can be incredibly good. I just really enjoy that fact. Touched on Christ for a second there. We're going to step away from him for a moment and talk about a different one of my favorite Bible characters. We're going to talk about Samuel. Samuel is wonderful character. Don't laugh at me. I saw that. Sorry. Okay. One of our different, a different Bible person. Samuel, right? And Samuel is wonderful because he's a type of someone to come. He's a transitionary character. He is at the tail end of whenever the judges ruled over Israel. So if you read through the book of Judges, the people of Israel would undergo extreme hardship. They would wander away from God. They would shift away from him. They would do silly things. And then God would appoint a judge over them. And that judge, we think of it as like judge today, someone who casts judgment. But that's actually just a word that was used for a ruler, someone who would take charge, a leader in their congregations, in their churches, in their those are bad words, but in their actual communities, right? Uh, the judges ruled over the people of Israel for appointed periods of time. And then Israel would be saved from whatever distress they were in. And the people, being people, would then again leave God and disobey him and disregard him. And then another judge would be raised up and appointed to rule over and to bring about what God's plans are for the time, right? So there were the judges who were one set of people who ruled over Israel for a time. But then towards the end of the time of the judges, the people of Israel started to look around and see the world around them and started to say, hey, you know what? This process is cool and God's good and all, but we'd really like a king. Just, it would be super awesome. We'd like a king. Fun story. If you ever just want to read about the things that can come about by placing your trust in a government as opposed to God, go ahead and read the first couple chapters of 1 Samuel because there's a wonderful section in there where it straight up says, oh, you're crying out for a king instead of a God. Do you know what kings bring? And then God outlines it for the people. 
And they're like, yeah, we want a king anyway, right? And God's gracious and grants them their request. Samuel is the appointed one that God uses to function as the last judge of Israel and then to transition them into this monarchy. He's the final judge. But as he is the final judge, steps down, he also fulfills a separate role, which is we know Moses was a prophet, right? So Moses was a prophet, but then the monarchy takes place. And during the monarchy, other prophets rise up, and one of their primary roles was to act as a check on the monarchy that existed to proclaim God's truth and relevance and his uh, overarching uh, purpose to those who are in power because the people in power oftentimes tend to forget what God actually wants Israel to do. And so he took on this shifting role where he also functions as a prophet for Saul. But he also takes on this other role because he was raised as a priest. And so he was raised to serve in the temple, to perform sacrifices, to function in a proper ritualistic manner, to make atonement for Israel. And so he rules. He functions as a priest. And he functions as a prophet. And he points to someone else who will hold all three of these roles. Ah, there's my girl. One of my girls. I have several. <laughs> and then, in 1 Samuel 7, something happens, okay? Prior to this section, there was a battle that took place between the Philistines and the people of Israel at a place called Ebenezer. And this battle that took place, the Israelites got beaten pretty badly, routed pretty hard, lost, largely because of their inability or unwillingness to recognize who God is and what he's done, largely because of the fact they were trusting in themselves instead of what God would do. And this is Samuel's response, okay? In 1 Samuel 7, 3, it says, And Samuel said to the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth, and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mitzpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mitzpah, and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mitzpah and Samuel ruled over them. So he proclaims God's truth to them as a prophet. He says, I will pray or intercede for you. I'll act as your priest. And then he rules over them. Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mitzpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. So they went out to fight them. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hands of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb, and he offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Again, he intercedes on behalf of the people. He offers a sacrifice on their behalf as their priest. And the Lord hears and delivers. 
As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mitzvah and pursued the Philippines and struck them as far as below beth And so when this battle goes to take place, it is not the people of Israel who triumphed over battle. God himself went and defeated their enemy for them, right? And then in verse 12, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mitzvah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. This battle occurs in this place. And Israel lost. They didn't listen to God. And that brokenness that Israel felt, God took and made it into something worth remembering. Do you think that that place is just significant because of how spiritual and awesome it is? Is that why he put the stone there? Do you think it's a place where God supernaturally affects the world more than he does other places? No? He's just like, yes, yes, I do. No, you don't. All right. This is a place worth remembering just because of what God has done there. It's not wrong for us to remember the things God has done to glorify him for them. And even at times to erect monuments to the great things he's done, right? It's not bad to do. So while we know this place is not the church, we are the church. We can still remember the wonderful and glorious things God's done. So one thing we're going to do today, following the service, on the back table there in the bar, it was just a rock, a rock I found downstairs in the dungeon. If you've been here long enough, you know what the dungeon is, right? I found a rock, washed it off, threw it on the back table. It has written on it, City Church Canton, 2014 to 2017. It has written on it, uh, Christ is glorious, because he is. If in some way, shape, or form, this place is significant to your growth in Christ, if it's a place that you feel is worthy of remembrance, whenever the service is over, go in the back and put your initials on that rock. We're going to take it down and put it in the back corner of the dungeon. It will sit here as a memorial for the work Christ has done over the past decade here. There's one more thing I get to do, though, before we go, and that's this. Samuel was prophet, priest, and king. Prophet, priest, and ruler or judge. Samuel, like many other Old Testament figures before and after him, the way in which he lived and the things he did typify who Jesus is and what he was going to do. You see, God gave the people of Israel glimpses of what he was working towards from the beginning of time all the way through up until the fullness of time had come, which is when he sent forth his son. It started in Genesis 3. Whenever God proclaims the proto-gospel, whenever he's talking to the serpent, and he's speaking to the serpent who has just caused mankind to fall, or helped mankind to fall, provided some, you know, nice temptation for it. And in doing so, man fell 
and the serpent and mankind were cursed. And God looks at the serpent and says, you'll go about your belly. There will be enmity between you and the offspring of the woman. And you will strike his heel and he will basically smash your face in. And that points to Jesus. And then we see the work of God and Abraham and how God takes a step to actually step into a person's life and redeem them because Abraham had no relationship with God before God spoke to him and reached out of his own volition and said, Abraham, I have a plan for you. And Abraham's willingness to offer his son as a sacrifice that promise that God had offered, his willingness to do so, points to Jesus. In case you don't know, the entire reason that happened, yes, it showed Abraham's faith, but it was done so that we could see someone offer their son on behalf of God. It was to point to what God himself would do for us. Moses functioned as a redeemer for Israel. God used him to help save the people from captivity in Egypt. Moses' life was pointing at Jesus. Samuel's life pointed at Jesus. David's life pointed at Jesus. If you can think of an awesome Old Testament character, your favorite one, guess who they generally are pointing towards? Jesus. Oftentimes we read these Old Testament stories and we take them as awesome, wonderful things we can learn about ourselves and things that we could do. Like, oh, if I just had the faith of David, oh, I'd be good. I could stand before those giants and kill him. If you know the story of David and Goliath, whenever David is facing down Goliath and the people of Israel are cowering in their tents and David says, who is this that would challenge the God of Israel? I'll, I'll deal with him. And David goes and deals with Goliath. In that story, David is not you. <laughs> Do you know who you are in that story? You're Israel, stuck, facing someone you can't overcome on your own, broken, defeated, in need of a help, in need of a savior. Do you know who David is? Who David's pointing to? Jesus. When we look at Samuel here, and he functions as a ruler and a prophet and a priest, and the people of Israel are broken and in need of salvation from the Philistines, they're going to be overrun and destroyed. Samuel has faith in God and offers up a sacrifice that is able to uh, pay the price penalty necessary to overcome Israel's sin, and he intercedes before God on behalf of the people, and he proclaims God's truth perfectly to the people. And he, I'm going to just dance for a second. All right. And he proclaims God's truth on behalf of the people. And he judges, he rules justly and perfectly. Not perfectly, but he rules and judges well. And he leads appropriately. In that story, you shouldn't read and be like, man, Samuel was so awesome. I should be just like Samuel. I should be the one making sacrifices on behalf of people. I should be the one doing all the interceding. I should be the one doing this. I should be the one who's leading or ruling well. No. In this story, if we understand what's happening here, 
we're the people of Israel, stuck in our sins, broken in our transgressions, unable to overcome them on our own. We can't get past the things that we've done. We can't deal with it on our own. Samuel points to what Jesus is doing. Oh, goodness, I don't need to reign in my life. I need him to reign in my life. I don't need to make up my own truth. I need to hear his. I don't need to pay for my own sin. He pays for it for me. He offered himself as a sacrifice for me. The beauty of the gospel is this. God himself took on human form for you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. Christ offered himself for you. He came and he lived perfectly. And yes, he does offer an example to us of what perfect life looks like. And we should not discount that and we should try to live like him as best we can, right? But living like him is not the only reason he came. He didn't just come to give us a good example. He came to cover over a multitude of our sins, to overcome our sin. He lived perfectly. He was a perfect spotless lamb, without blemish, without any imperfection on him. He offered himself up to death. Read the Gospel of John real quick at the end if you don't believe me. Yeah, he was crucified, but Jesus on the cross gave up his own life. He offered himself up. He died, and his death washed away our sin. And if that were the end of it, that would be super awesome. But that's not the end of it. He didn't just die, guys. He also came back to life. He lives. And his life, his resurrection, that is what defeated the power of sin and death forever. Guys, we no longer suffer under the broken relationship with God that we have, that we deserve because of our sin, because of Jesus' life. And because he has restored our relationship with Christ, the bonds that we have been put under, the slavery that we are yoked under because of this world have been broken. And we can live for him. This is the gospel. This is who Jesus is. This is what he has done for you. wondering whether or not you should understand who Jesus is and what he's done. There is no time like the present to learn, to understand the offer, the sacrifice he has made for you, the love he has shown for you, and to accept it as yourself. Guys, I'm going to be honest. That would be a pretty significant thing that happened in this place. That would be worthy of remembering for all time. No time like the present. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, 
until this point, the Lord has helped us. That right there, up until this point, the Lord has helped us. Till now, the Lord has helped us. That is true today in this place. That's what we're remembering whenever we put that stone down there, that throughout the entire time we have been worshiping Christ in this building, he has been with us and he has been helping us. He has been our salvation. But we can also remember this, guys. It doesn't end here. Because just like he has done it up until now, he'll be doing it again tomorrow and the day after and 30 years from now, 400 years from now, up until he returns and restores the world to the place it's supposed to be. He'll be helping us. And that's worth remembering. <sighs> Guys, I'm going to miss this place. I was standing in that back corner in 2008 in August. And the other lead pastor that was here was gone for the day, so I was preaching. And uh, this room was much darker back then, to be honest, a, a lot less inviting, honestly. Kind of, kind of dark and foreboding at times. Wow, weird that we painted dark purple. Note to self, dark purple, not a good interior design color. Just throwing it out there. Okay? Blade, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's like, no, I know. Right. and then the service was about to start and the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen in my life walked in the front doors came around this corner please note if you don't know me very well I have extremely bad ADHD okay like really really bad super bad uh, prior to literally that week we would do things like have prayer services and I would be laying on the ground playing with a folding chair over my head just no, I'm praying. What are you guys talking about? Just like weird things, right? And this beauty, yeah, some of you know, right? There's a reason why several things around me have caught fire, okay? <laughs> there also used to be a number of candles in this building, which again makes me realize, yes, at some point I caught something on fire. And I'm about to tell you one of these stories, actually. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so this beautiful person came in, right? And I couldn't look at her. So I preached, and after the service... Uh, I sat down catty corner to her, not looked her in the eye one time, but I, I, I looked straight ahead at her roommate and had a conversation with her roommate and her without ever making eye contact with her. And the entire time I was hearing these wonderful stories about who she is and what she's done in her life and, like, the kind of person she is, and I'm just sitting here, like, holding a candle and lighting a plastic fork on fire at the same time <laughs> while talking to her, right? And literally... That day, after that conversation, was whenever, for the first time since, like, my sophomore year of high school, I called my doctor and said, hey, I'd like to start taking medication for my ADHD again, because I'm assuming this caliber of woman would not be interested in someone who cannot hold on to a thought for more than four seconds. Uh, and so I, if you've ever seen uh, the Jack, Nicholas, Jack Nicholson movie, uh, as good as it gets, and it's like the, I've been taking my medicine every day since then. Yeah, why? You make me want to be a better man, right? That's what she did to me. Jesus put her into my life, right? So we got married in this church. I built a stair so that she could get up there easier. 
I took that stair with me, by the way. It's at home. That doesn't go here. <laughs> it belongs with us. We dedicated my second kid to Jesus here. Right? I baptized many of you here and baptized many friends here. Uh, I've been with people as they've been mourning. I've been with people as they've been laughing. I've been with them as they've weeped. I've had the pleasure of marrying many people here. I've seen so many life moments occur here. And I never want to see it end. But I'm just excited to see what comes at the next building. <laughs> and how Jesus uses his church in this new space. And so we'll remember. But we'll grow. And we'll continue being who Christ has called us to be as his church. Amen? Let's pray. And let's worship him for one last time in this space. Lord Jesus, we thank you for everything you do and for everything you've done. Father, I can't begin to even remember all of the wonderful and great things you have done in this place. thank you thank you for the ways you've glorified yourself thank you for the ways you've poured yourself out into people's lives thank you for the ways you've drawn lives together thank you for the ways you've held lives together when they're falling apart thank you for the ways that you proclaimed your goodness your faithfulness your truth your justice your love every moment Lord we remember and we will not soon forget but Lord, as we go, thank you, as we move into this new space that you have called us as a congregation to head to, Lord God, may you allow us to build new memories, to see new ways in which you are showing your goodness and your holiness and your faithfulness to the world. May you be glorified there even more than you were glorified here. And Lord, allow us to look back on this and remember just how great you are. It's all about you, Lord. And you are good. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to pass this over to Pastor Jake so he can offer communion. That was my initial uh, football jersey number. I know, shocker, football, right? Sports ball. Um, <laughs> used to, used to. <laughs> so, the pictures are pretty funny. <laughs> but, uh, so as you, as many of you know, I'm not the... Uh, the most the, uh, emotional person. I struggle. Switch it back out. Yeah, switch it out. <laughs> All right. I struggle with showcasing emotion and being vulnerable or even talking about emotion. Um, and uh, between Holly, between some of you guys being here today for the first time, um, between Chris's sermon, between people throughout the week, 
Uh, I was very stressed throughout this week, as many of us were, just trying to get the, the building ready and things like that, and just life in general. Um, and a good friend of mine just reminded me of the aspect of grace and how grace is a matter of surrender, and grace is literally being broken um, as Christ broke himself and poured himself out, and how that's only going to be shown or given the opportunity to be shown if you're allowing yourself to suffer, if you're allowing yourself to go through these things. And um, I remember the first time when I spoke on communion, um, I guess it wouldn't be a church service if I didn't talk about Bonhoeffer, right? But one of the first things that I, uh, I talked about was the idea of that, you know, don't look at people in light of what they do or don't do, but in the way that they suffer. This is a concept that, you know, Bonhoeffer talked on. And with that concept is that God can't give to you if you have, if your hands are already full. You have to have empty hands. So if you're holding on to things, how can he give you any more when your hands are completely full? And um, as I sit back and I look through this, like so many of you guys, as much as this pastor appreciation month, you guys have truly pastored me in many ways, in many shapes. Um, not to call you out, Corey, but my, buddy, my good buddy Corey, um, throughout college was one of the most radical things that changed me and helped me. We fought so much. I, I can't think of anybody else in college that argued more with me than you. And, uh, but that, to me, um, is where the greatest friendship kind of blossomed. Um, and even with you guys, like, that's one of the things that I know it's maybe counter-church cultural or counter-church message, but, like, if you're going to fight, fight with God. Allow those conversations, those arguments to happen. He's not going to let you down, where even, you know, as much as a good friendship between Corey and I blossomed, and it's one of my greatest and dearest friendships, um, we both failed in that at some point, where God didn't entirely. He worked through us and worked with us, but he was the core of that. You know, and he radically transformed perspectives, life changes, life decisions, uh, theology even. Um, and, you know, even some of the other local pastors, like Eric Hershberger, that's part of this body as well, um, started bringing up stuff. He's like, I think you're a mystic. And I was like, I'm not a mystic. And, he's, and then we started going through this, so like, I might be a mystic now. So, but, I mean, theology starts to change because God is something that's just transcendent than what we can fathom. And be okay with that. Be okay with that. We don't have to have the answers for changing and going to this new building. You know, I think of Christ and his journey, that Christ just, you know, kind of go in Bethlehem and be like, this is where I'm staying. He was consistently moving. He was consistently going. Paul was consistently going. You know, and they all fought about it, too. Of like, no, this is the place we're supposed to do the missionary journey. No, this is the place we're supposed to do the missionary journey. Um, but you don't hear the accounts of them following God and pursuing God and having the uncertainty and trusting in the fact that if there's somebody that... We can't fathom. That's who we should be placing that uncertainty. We don't see them coming back beaten and bruised in the sense of trying to cast out demons. They're coming back beaten and bruised and singing songs and praises, and people are turning towards Christ. There's a difference. One is out of selfishness and your own you know, wants and desires. The other is out of servitude and following God and trusting in his provision, whatever that may be. So as we get ready to go to this new place, um, as we get ready to... Um, be closer to the college that I graduated from that I love. Um, as we get closer to spend time with some of the people in the Korean church, I mean, Pastor Yu, like, like me, loves to talk. And so, like, uh, I think it was me, Emily, and Holly, like, talked to him for, like, 40 minutes. We are supposed to be moving stuff and painting, and we just talked for, like, 40 minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just, you know, seeing that, that's the church. Seeing just the natural cultural diversity um, theological diversity. That's the church. We get a glimpse of that. Like, that's a little bit of the eternal that we get to participate here and now. And so I'm very thankful for um, the fact of whatever member of the body I may be. I'm probably like a really nasty zit you can't get rid of. But whatever, whatever part I may be, um, you guys have radically 
help that and have, you know, it's cool just to be able to surrender under the same father, to surrender to the same um, head of this church um, and to work collectively together. I mean, at the end of the day, I stepped into this building and Chris stepped into this building because there's, there's brokenness. And then there's another church that also had this brokenness. And it was through that that we could be collected together. I mean, we're kind of like the, the church of misfit toys. And that's what, I, that's what I love about it is because God values that. It's not a matter of what we think of each other or what we think of his kingdom or what we think of his church. It's a matter of what he says, this is who I am. And so as we participate in communion, I ask you to, as we prepare to go to this next step, ask God, who are you? What are you trying to reveal to me? What is the next step for this body of the church? Not just this building, but for this community, for the global church. How are we surrendering these things over to him? How are we pursuing him? And how are we being okay with this uncertainty? Being okay that we don't have to have the answers, and he does, and he may never give us set answers. But what he will do is show us his love, his compassion, his mercy. And uh, as my Orthodox friends always say, you know, multiple times throughout their sermons and stuff like that, is, you know, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. The reminder that we are constantly in need of God's mercy. So be reminded on that, think on that, meditate on that, and whenever you feel ready, please feel free to come up and participate in communion with us.
Please stand with me and join as we sing one more song of praise this morning. Go on and scream it from the mouth. 
mountains Go on and tell it to the masses He is God Shout it Go on and scream it from the mountains Go on and tell it to the masses that He is God. Shout it. Go on and scream it from the mountains. Go on and tell it to the masses. before we go. We're going to start closing this place out today. And so anyone who is able, if you wouldn't mind, when you stand up, fold up your chair. We're going to have the truck open outside. If you walk out, toss your chair in the back of the truck for us, all right? If anyone is interested in staying to do so, there will be people here until about two-ish tearing down and pulling out everything from this building. We're literally stripping it out, okay? And then at two, we're breaking because, you know, trick or treat. We all got kids, but about 5.30-ish, we're going to be back, finishing stripping out and then offloading at the new site. Anyone who's welcome to come out and help is welcome. And by that, I mean, please. All right. Thank you very much for being here 
and worshiping with us today and learning with us today and remembering with us today. Don't forget to sign the rock in the back if you've seen something momentous happen. And remember to go forth and be the church. Amen. Pizza will be served too. <laughs> We're providing lunch, guys. <laughs>